Hi friends, I'm Robert Johnson. I'm the location pastor at the Leewood location of Church of the Resurrection, and I'm back with you for our fourth episode of Resurrection Stories, a new podcast through which we hope to expose both our members and the greater KC area to some of the amazing people who are on staff here and who are members of our congregation. And we hope that in telling their stories, their stories of hope, transformation, uh, mission and service, that you'll be inspired uh, to deepen your own relationship with Jesus Christ and maybe to come visit us over here to see what God's doing, come visit in person and uh, and check us out. So uh, welcome. Thank you for coming on and listening in. By the way, as we go through the podcast, we'd like for you to share uh, this uh, the link to the podcast. So you can do that by going to core.org slash podcast. You'll find the link there and share it with your entire circle of influence. Invite them to come in and listen to the conversation and meet some of the wonderful people here at Resurrection. We have another amazing guest with us. I'm going to say that every week that these, all these folks are amazing, but this person is really, 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 really amazing. Uh, I get to work with her. I get the joy of working with her. As a matter of fact, most days when I come in, I walk upstairs towards my office and the first face I see is this person, and I'm so glad to be with her. She's doing amazing work. She's been here. Uh, she's seen this church grow and change, seen this church go through uh, uh, adversity and and work through that, and we're blessed to have her still on staff with us, uh, lead, helping to lead us in the area of connection and care, and she does an amazing job. If you ever get a chance to come by Resurrection in person, if you're a member and you haven't done this, Take the time, go upstairs, and you need to go look at her work board, the details of it. It is a huge whiteboard, and it's filled with details uh, that's, that's ordering the care pastors about how to care for our congregation and beyond. Denise, thank you for coming on, my friend. Thank you for, <laughs> for having me. On. I'm excited. And it's a joy to have you. I'm so excited about this conversation. So let's start here. Tell folks, um, t- tell us, tell folks about your family. Tell us about how long you've been at Resurrection, and then we'll let's stop. Then we'll come back and talk about what you what you're currently doing at Resurrection, and we'll move from there. Um, I'm married to Doug. We just crossed the 40 <laughs> year mark in June. Wow! I have three kids. Kate is 30. She lives in D.C. Ryan is 25. He lives in D.C. And Caroline um, was our middle child, and she passed away as an infant. Wow! Wow! So. And let's see, we joined the church in 1996, and I came on staff in 1998. Wow. Yeah. Since 98. 25 years in August. Now, I want to, in a minute, we'll come back to Kate, because I got to tell you, uh, so when I came on, that was a day that had came, and the staff were reaching out saying, hey, this is a day that a particular thing happened. Make sure you reach out to Denise. And that's when I learned that story. And it was so powerful. And I reached out to you and said, you were a hero of mine. But we'll come back. We'll come back and talk about that in just a second. Uh, tell folks about the work you do here at Resurrection. To go in more detail about it. The work I do here is probably the biggest honor and privilege, um, other than being a parent and a wife of my entire life. Um, as prayer requests, prayer concerns, um, care needs come in at Leewood, they come through me and... In a lot of cases, I get to be that first responder, that first person to talk to them and let them know that um, we have the people to put them in the best possible hands to care for them and to um, 
to support them and encourage them and be their stretcher bearers. So um, I take those here at Leewood. We get about 150 prayer requests a week. So I go through those and triage How them. How many? About 150 a week. Wow. And um, wow. the bulk of those on Sunday. So mm-hmm. Sundays I uh, sit at home and read through those and make sure. Um, and then make sure that we have a pastor prior to any surgery that anybody might want and that we're continuing to make hospital visits and rehab visits as people go through any kind of a process to make sure we're providing grief support and just kind of mental health relationship support, whatever they need. And, you know, fortunately, it's just a matter of passing it on to a team of the most qualified people I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Wow. Wow. Uh, I was just, we had a previous podcast with Pastor Hemi, and of course she works in connection and care. Mm -hmm. And I was just sharing with her in the audience that it's just amazing, the diligent work we put into being excellent in caring for our members. So we talk about excellence in our worship. We talk about excellence in our communications. But we also uh, strive for excellence in how we care for our members. And you're a part of that. I want to say this so folks can hear this. In one of my early meetings, the pastors and the care team said this about you, said that we're, we're so grateful for Denise. She's absolutely awesome because she is so good at ordering the details and making sure we don't miss stuff. That is an unbelievable compliment for a group of pastors to say that. But then I saw it (laughs) because I don't care when I go by that board. It's like, and you know, you already know that I'm not really big on details. So I go by the board and I'm like, okay, like I don't, that's too much. Those are too many details. But you do such an awesome job. But I also yeah. got to tell you about another compliment I got about you. And it was from two people who were who worked here. One used to be Pastor Adams, administrative assistant. And the other person was maybe, if not the first, one of the early persons who, were, who handled finances for the church. And they both said, we love Denise. She is absolutely awesome. So for people who are seasoned, who've been here for a long time, to say that about you, I think says a whole lot. So what do you think is, so you've seen the changes. What what do you think is, what's your favorite? So you can answer the question one or two ways. What's your favorite thing about resurrection? Or what do you think is the best thing about resurrection? So two answers. Um, and And I think both answer both. Hands down, I would put resurrection in competition, and I love competition, against any church, any organization, anywhere in the world for the care they provide. And it's not just that the pastors make the visits. It's that they come out of it sometimes. They want to carry more. It's not, I have to make these four visits or these six visits today. It's, I'm going to make these six visits, but hey, just mark down that I'm also going to call this person. Mm -hmm. I talked to him the other day, and, and it's just... The care is off the chart, and I have had an opportunity to see what Resurrection provided for care against someone who's very dear to me and seeing what their church provided for care. And what I knew to be true became just unbelievable. You know, just there's really just they, they, they don't care if it's the weekend. They don't care if it's the evening. If, it needs, if care needs to be done, they will stop what they're doing and make that a priority. And I think that's unbelievable. And having been on the receiving end of that care a yeah. few times, yeah. I realize that it changes how a person sees Christ. Yeah. Because there it is in a way that it until you really need it, yeah. you can't quite wrap your head around it. 
The other thing that I think resurrection does that I love is there are so many opportunities to serve. There are so many opportunities to That's do right. more, to, right. to make a difference. That's right. But in addition to providing opportunities, they encourage people to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. What can you do without us telling you to do it? You begin to develop a mindset of, hey, wait a minute, here's a need, I'm going to fill it. And whether it's the love your neighbor campaign, whether it's the be just, be kind, be humble campaign, all of those are just reminders of mm-hmm. every one of us is a part of the church, mm-hmm. but every one of us has a role separate from the church. And that's been, I've had opportunities to do things just with my family or just on my own that I don't know without resurrection I would have ever figured out to do. Yeah. Wow. It is so, it's so true about the, the, the uh, resurrection has found a way through Pastor Adam's leadership that the people of resurrection do not define following Jesus separately from being in mission. They're, they're deeply intertwined. And so much so that for the first time in my, all of my life, if I preached a sermon, it was like after I preached a sermon, people would come up and they either they liked it or they didn't. If they liked it, they said, that's a great sermon. And they'd almost like give you off. Like, okay, that was a great sermon, Pastor. Go get some rest or whatever. At Resurrection, I preach a sermon. People come up to me and what they say to me consistently, good sermon. I believe you meant that. So here's a way for you to live that. Yeah. <laughs> like, come help us on Wednesday, uh, feed the hungry. Come help us fill backpacks on yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, and it's just so. It, and so it. And so I finally realized it. Like the like for them, but but at, Pastor Adam does that right. He preaches a sermon he and he ends every sermon with a specific invitation to this is how you can begin to live that out and it's embedded in the DNA. It's a great experience. So and so Denise, you've had a you've had a. Uh, Powerful story, and I've mentioned about you know any any time a, a parent loses a child, there those people are heroes of mine. That's unimaginable to me, and so for people to experience that and still believe, uh, still have uh, be hopeful, still be positive, and then even still have the capacity to care for others. Would you talk a little about that? And then I want if you want to tie it into your faith story, you can do that as well. And it does very. T- um I was born and raised Methodist in a small town church, rural Kansas, and half the church was related to me, and the other half I knew in business with my parents or just, you know, people from around the city, around the town. And we came here, and I mean, even 27 years ago, this church was bigger than the town I grew up in. And uh, I remember dropping, Kate was three at the time, dropping her off in a Sunday school class that was those uh, carpeted petitions because we were getting ready to have a building campaign and we had no place to put the kids. And sitting all through worship, telling my husband, Doug, she's probably gone out looking for us. Went into that little crack. She's probably out on row now looking for us. No, she didn't care. She was so happy when we picked her up that she didn't even care. And we liked it here. And at the time that we joined, I was um, eight and a half months pregnant with Caroline. She was born in July after we joined the church. And then, um, unbeknownst to us, she had leukemia, possibly born with it, and um, on October 23rd, she passed away at just about four months old. Um, we had sensed that maybe something was wrong, and the night before, we had a terrible snowstorm, and uh, 
I was supposed to be in Chicago on business. My mom had been at my brother's, and so she came back. Because my brother's like, I think Denise needs help. Doug's going to be gone. Doug, for whatever re reason, decided not to make that trip. Didn't want to get snowed in Chicago. So that night, the power was out. My mom, Kate, Doug, and I, and Caroline sat in front of the fire because we had no heat. And we called the on-call that night and said, we really think something's wrong. And he said, I mean, an ambulance can't really get to you right now. And they're so backed up. If Wait till tomorrow and bring her in. So we took her in the next morning. And as we were in the waiting room, she took her last breath. Wow. And obviously, at that point, we thought we had a perfectly healthy child. Maybe, maybe she had a cold. Maybe she had the sniffles. And um, Adam encouraged the congregation to reach out to us, to show us we were loved. And um, so it was a pretty small church back then, and we got 400 sympathy cards from Resurrection members. Wow. We didn't know a single one of them. Wow. And um, those cards said, hey, we're a church family. We're praying for you. Hey, just know your church family's here with you. We're supporting you, whatever we can do. And I'd heard the phrase church family a lot. I'd never had one. And I'm all about family. And uh, so on Carrie's 21st birthday, I pulled all those cards out. And I read through them. And out of that 400, I probably know 300 or more. Yeah. One of those people is one of my closest friends in the world. And we met working and serving here together. And I said something about the card and she's like I forgot I even wrote it because it was just she was being my church family without really realizing it and at that moment the church family stepped up and took care of us in a way that I couldn't even have imagined prior to that and as part of that we learned what it meant to be the church family and to step on the other side but it also helped me see, it helped me see that Jesus was there in the worst possible time of my life. And I told somebody, I don't think God shut the power off in Kansas City in the ice storm, but I do give him a little bit of credit because had the power have not gone off, I would have had to have called Doug when he landed at O'Hare to say, hey, turn around and come back. Yeah. I would have been by myself at the doctor's office and we would not have had that night with no distractions yeah. to just be a family, yeah. sitting around a fireplace talking and, and being together. And I just, it changed my faith from, I'm a Christian, I go to church on Sunday, to I owe God so much more. I owe Him my efforts. I owe Him those sympathy cards to people I don't know. I owe Him stepping up with a meal for somebody that I don't know, you know, and that changed, that changed the trajectory of my faith journey from I was just doing it to this is, this is what I want to see in my family. This is what I want to be. And over the years, my kids were involved in the youth music ministry here, and we're both on staff here working in Kids Corps. But those youth mission trips, those youth music mission trips, I went on seven years in a row with them. Watching those kids catch fire for Jesus, watching those kids see that building a retaining wall yeah. changed somebody's life, watching them serve at homeless shelters, watching my son stand up and deliver a sermon in front of a group of inmates at a at a prison. They couldn't I don't just don't think we would have gotten that someplace besides resurrection. Wow. And I and 
there are places that do mission trips, but that that youth orchestra, those youth handbells, mm-hmm. that was their small group. <laughs> those were their people, and it was amazing. And now when I see them as adults, living, caring about everybody, that was that was resurrection, and that that wow. that set our destiny. Wow. Might have missed the answer to the question. No, that's, that's a, that was powerful. That was powerful. Because I think a lot of people can identify. I mean, I grew up in the church, but then there was a, there were <clears throat> I've had these defining moments that turned me from just being someone who was in the church because either my parents made me go, or either mm-hmm. because that's what we're that's what's expected, or that's culturally the the folks I seek affirmation from. That's what we do. To moving from that to like really experiencing in a really deeply personal way the grace of God. What's profound about your story is that you experienced that through deep pain, through through such a heartfelt loss, just just unimaginable pain that you experienced it. But I think it's so beautiful that it became real to you because all those people took the time to reach out. Yeah. That, I think that's the power of the body of Christ, right? That's the power of God's people. We have that capacity if yeah. we take the time and maybe just a simple act of reaching out when people to people when they're in a moment of distress or pain can be the turning point. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It, it, it notched up our faith in a completely different way. And, you know, maybe the sympathy card I write will help somebody say, I'm going to pass that on, and the next time I hear I'm going to I'm going to reach out. I'm going to take. I'm going to drop off a, a casserole. I'm going to do whatever. Wow, yeah. H- how do you think that experience has prepared you to to minister to uh, to take care for others when they experience like this this uh, this kind of loss of a child or just unexpected loss of a some deep tragedy? Do you feel particularly tuned into that or are pre- are equipped to? Serve those, care for those people? Um, Equipped? I don't know. I sit in an office full of pastors, so I feel pretty unequipped most of the time. Um, I can answer the phone probably better than any of them, and I can definitely take down your facts. But when it comes down to the deep, dark, who's going to pray out loud with you, I'm not going to be anybody's first choice. But one of the things, um, shortly after Caroline died, one of the pastors here, and, and by shortly, I mean two, three weeks, one of the pastors here reached out and said we had a mom who was about to give birth to a child that was, if they were born alive, would last, would live just a few hours. And he said, would you give her a call? And I said, no, I won't. I don't have the capacity for that right now. And he said, you're right. I'm sorry. That was, that was crazy. And so he said, so how are you all doing? And I said, yeah, best, best, as could be expected. And he said, so do you, do you shower every day? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, are you, are you feeding Kate and Doug? Are you able to get meals on the table? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And he said, so is Doug able to like go to work? And you know, you, you, I mean, you're functioning. And I said, yeah. And he said, maybe you can tell her that. Because wow. he said, I think I remember a time in the last few, you know, few weeks where you didn't know if you could do that. Wow. And when I called her, I said, all I can tell you is, we're still hanging in. It's not easy. It's not pretty, but we're doing it. And um, they had literally just moved here uh, probably a month before 
and we're still very close in touch. She's there still. Her family's still here at the church. Um, I got the pleasure of watching her daughters grow up here um, in kids' core, and I just I needed that nudge. And so, what I can tell people is, if you just hang in there, if you just let the people who care about you care about you, if you just continue to turn to God and say, "Hey, right now I need you," and I remember one day saying to Doug, I just, I just need some peace. And within an hour, there was just this sense of, I've got you. Just yeah. take a load off. Try, stop trying to deal on your own. If you need to have a fit, have a fit. If you need to cry, cry. But in the end, I've got you. Yeah. And, you know, that was 27 years ago. Um, I'm sorry, 25 years ago now. And... Uh, in 25 years, I cannot think how many times I've just been backed up against the wall and went, okay, if he had me through that, yeah. this is child's play for him because, I, you know, <laughs> he's got me through this. So, that's, that's a great resurrection story that you went from that to them reaching out to that family. Uh, that's resurrection. That's resurrection. Right. You almost missed the, the fun question, but we, I want to get it in. Right. What's your favorite movie? Okay, I have two. I'm not a complete <laughs> Debbie Downer, um, but probably my favorite movie is a movie called uh, Stepmom. Okay. Julia Roberts yeah. and Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Yeah. And Susan Sarandon is the wife who was divorced and had two kids, and Julia Roberts was the soon-to-be new wife. And Susan Sarandon had no love for Julia Roberts. <laughs> and Julia Roberts was clearly not... At her mom best, uh, as she, when she had the kids or her fiance had the kids, and Susan Sarandon found out that she was dying of cancer, yeah. and she reaches out to Julia Roberts and says, "Hey, I want to show you how to do this right." And she let her in on the little clues as to what helped the kids, what was good for the kids, how to do things, how to, and they became close. And Susan Sarandon encouraged her to be the very best at what she could do, and. Every time I think about that movie, I think, how incredibly selfless are you to say, I want to show somebody else how to perform the role that I wanted to perform for years and years and years to come. How do I, how do I train my replacement yeah. to be even better? And there's a scene in the movie where Susan Sarandon, Julia Roberts says, my biggest fear is that her, on her wedding day, I'll be fluffing her veil and telling her she's the most beautiful bride ever. And she'll say, I wish my mom was here. And Susan Sarandon responded and said, my biggest fear is that she won't. And I think about that, and I think about that in so many ways of serving. How can we, how can we make everybody better at doing what we do? How do we get the congregation to step up and say, I want to serve that way too? I mean, like our CCMs, I mean, we have people out there who care like crazy. Yeah. And uh, that, uh, that movie always takes me back. But then I also love Christmas Vacation <laughs> because I love Christmas and I love family. And every year when we watch it um, on the day after Thanksgiving, I think, we're probably not going to be that chaotic this year. We will be just one notch under it, you know, because we don't have a Rottweiler in the house. So that's really that's really the defining difference between the Griswolds and the Mersmans is that we don't have a big dog. Hey, speaking of Christmas, because uh, one of my questions I like to ask is, you know, what what advice we give people so that they can have the best holiday season ever? But you you told me about a ritual your family does. Uh, 
on the lighting of the lights at on the plaza. plaza. Yeah, we do every Christmas or every Thanksgiving. We load up and take a little picnic lunch, and go on the top in the evening of one of the parking garages and. We sit down, the four of us together, and we have dinner, leftovers or whatever, because we've already done the big family thing. And we watch the lights come on, yeah. and we watch the fireworks. And it's just a nice reminder that even though my kids are both living halfway across the country, they're still coming home, and it just kind of kicks off our holiday season. And it just gives us a little chance to be together, and that's one of our... That's one of our favorites. So that's a, wonder, that. that's a wonderful way to, to get it. into the holiday. So as a matter of fact, Linda and I are going to do that. I want to encourage you all to do that. Thank you all for listening in today. Denise, you've been awesome, as Thank I you. expected. So, so fun. So such a powerful resurrection story. And uh, thank you for coming on. Again, we want you to share the uh, information about this podcast. You can go to core.org slash podcast and get the link and then share that with your circle of influence also we want to invite you to come and experience resurrection uh, come visit us at one of our weekend worship services but beyond the weekend there's stuff going on here every day of the week from recovery groups to our grief groups to uh, small groups bible studies places to connect and serve and we invite you to come and experience resurrection of people as well as well as the resurrection power of God. We hope we've encouraged you to deepen your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.